the Truth News Network. Vaccines, masks, vaccine passports, vaccine mandates, and now one country has gone to martial law. Freedoms are not granted by a government, and they can't be held hostage to an agenda. But that's a truth not being spoken, except here. This is TNN, the Truth News Network, and your fearless leader is Dan Newman. Good morning, folks, and welcome to a brand new week at TNN Live. Guess what, folks? Let me just throw it out there. We're going to be fine. We're going to work our way through these roadblocks, these curveballs that every day we get thrown um, by people in the administration, people that work for this administration. And uh, we're not going to get caught up in trying to figure out all of the whys. As long as we can know for a fact what's going on, we can make decisions about here how we're going to deal with all this stuff. That's what's important. We can't impact or affect what anybody else does. We can't control what anybody else does. What we can control is the way with which we react to it all. And we have a lot of things to talk about in that regard this morning. Listen closely to what I'm about to tell you right now. In the next quarter hour, we are going to play for you absolute positive proof that the pandemic, the vaccine, and even before that, COVID-19, was all part of a coordinated attack on the American people, on our liberty. We are going to play for you from the people's mouths at the top of the medical heap in the United States. And of course, that includes Dr. Anthony Fauci. Let me tell you, just giving you a little brief history of what this is about. Last night about 9 o'clock, this thing broke. It's a video, and it was broken by One America News Network. I happened to get an immediate, urgent email um, notification about this. I went to it. I went to the OAN website on YouTube, and there it was. And so, as you probably know, YouTube is owned by Google, and Google is in the tank for everything far left, and definitely against anybody publishing anything on YouTube that um, is counter to their political narrative about coronavirus, vaccines, the pandemic, and all that kind of stuff. They'll pull it down immediately. Well, I clicked on the video to download for you today so you could look at it in video, And before I could copy it, download and copy it, Google pulled it down. But I was successful in pulling off the audio. And folks, this is going to make your hair stand on end. When you hear from their own mouths, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, from as far back as 2017, telling us, All of these experts, these medical experts, were together at the table at the same time planning, telling us, and then planning on what would have to happen to get the Americans in 100% compliance regarding vaccinations, vaccines. They referenced a amped-up version of the flu as being something that could be used to make Americans fall in line and comply with government edicts. Fauci even talked about 
we need to and how to circumvent the legal process of getting new vaccines through all of the clinical trials, all of the approval steps, and get it out to the American people in this year, 2020 and 2021. If there are people that you love, that love you, and that will listen to you, call them right now and get them to tune in to Truth News Network, TNN Live, because in the next quarter hour, you're going to hear that. Now, we have the downloaded audio, but there are ways that people that don't want audios that are published to be able to transmit it from person to person. I don't know how long this will even be effective that we'll be able to play it here live on TNN Live. I don't know about that. And uh, so this is pretty critical. Get on the phone, call people that you love, and tell them you need to hear this. And it's 9.05 Central Time now. We'll play this before the bottom of the hour, 9.30 Central Time. So you got a little bit. But this is probably the biggest thing to come out about what and why we are in the middle of a faux pandemic and what its purpose has been from even before it began. These doctors, these experts, on this you're going to hear, they lay out every step of how this pandemic happened, its causes, and how it would be handled, and what its effects were going to be in 2017, 18, and 19. And then it happened in 2020, exactly like they predicted. Before we get to that, there's a lot of other news that came out over the weekend, important things that you need to know about. This illegal immigration thing is about to just explode if it hadn't already. There is a massive group of people coming up from Central America. They're in Mexico now, and uh, they are very militant, and it's a large group, 100,000 people or more. They're dead set on getting to our southern border and crashing across. Total disregard for anything. And I mean, we know nothing about these people. We know where some of them are from, but we don't know anything about them. And of course, the Biden administration, when they handle illegal immigrants at our southern border, they don't test them. They don't have a clue what those people are bringing into the country. We do know many of these people have criminal past, have criminal records. Some have been here before and committed crimes when they were in the U.S. the first time, were deported, and they're coming back in. The Biden folks, they don't care. You can't even make excuses for it anymore, folks. This this uh, this process they use for so long now, 11 months, tugging at our heartstrings and saying, these people are just trying to make a better place, a better life for themselves and their families. That's why they're coming here. We're the United States of America. We can afford to do this. Well, let me tell you about four families today, four U.S. families today who won't even join in when you say that kind of thing. Why is that? An illegal alien that was charged with murdering four Americans over the course of one week two years ago in Nevada has agreed to plead guilty and accept a sentence of life in prison without parole. His name is Wilbur Ernesto Martinez Guzman. 
He's a 20-year-old illegal from El Salvador. He was charged with murdering 56-year-old Connie Kuntz, 74-year-old Sophia Rentkin, 81-year-old Gerald Davis, and his 80-year-old wife, Sharon. Between January 10th and January 15th of 2019, after prosecutors said he was looking to steal money from his victims to buy more meth. Four families, their lives changed in an instant because of a decision that was made down at our southern border to just open up and let them in. The state of Nevada had sought the death penalty against him, but his defense argued he was mentally disabled and thus was ineligible for the death penalty. Last week, a county district attorney, Chris Hicks, and another district attorney, Mark Jackson, announced that Martinez Guzman would be pleading guilty to all four murders, as well as pleading guilty to related burglary and firearm charges. As a result, he's agreed to accept four consecutive life in prison sentences without parole and an additional 214 years in prison for the related crimes. Larry David, the son of Gerald and Sharon David, the elderly couple that Guzman killed, said he and his family fully support this weighty decision to accept life in prison for their parents' murderer. The Davids are survived by four children, 11 grandchildren, and 21 great-grandchildren. Just another day. Another day in Nevada. And Grandma and Grandpa, Great-Grandma and Great-Granddad just happened to be in the house when a meth, a meth head decided to go on a rampage and find money to buy more meth broke into their house and killed them both like that. You never know. You never know. But you know what you do know? You know what we do know? You know what the Biden administration does know? That inactions, that not enforcing federal laws regarding immigration, if you do that, somebody's going to pay a price for your negligence. And in this case, four families, their entire family histories have been changed for eternity because people in the immigration business in the U.S., some in politics, some not in politics, while Donald Trump was president, and there are people that are listening right now saying, "Uh uh-huh, see, Trump was president. He didn't do his job. Folks, he was in the middle of of trying to shore up our southern border so these kind of things would stop happening. In a four, excuse me, a three-year period in the state of Texas alone, according to the Texas Department of Public Safety, 600,000 felony acts, criminal felony acts, were committed by illegals against the citizens of Texas. 600,000. And those included everything from petty theft to murder, first-degree murder. 600,000 during the Obama administration. And that's okay. That's acceptable to anybody in this government, any government. And what are we as the people of the United States, what are we doing about it? Well, we want law enforcement while the Biden administration is up there trying to diminish 
law enforcement. We've got a story from Portland that'll frost you about law enforcement, the police up in Portland, Oregon, who can't even enforce laws in one of the biggest cities in the Northwest. Wow. And our government, what are they doing? They want to lock us down. They want to make us take a a, a shot. It's not a vaccine. It's a manipulated piece of whatever. We could sit here and argue all day about that. We do know it's not a typical vaccine. All that being said, they're changing the world. They're changing the entire structure of the United States of America. They're destroying the rule of law. They're ignoring oaths of office that they took. Who are they? You know exactly who they are and who's paying the price. Who will continue to pay the price? The American people. The American people. Joe Biden doesn't pay a price. Barack Obama didn't pay a price. Donald Trump doesn't pay a price for that. These are people that live where they are pretty much insulated from those kind of incidents. The folks who are paying the price for all of these horrible decisions and lack of decisions are the American people that just go to work every day, make an income, middle-class income, to support their families, do the best that they can do, creating their current lives that are the best they can create, while at the same time looking ahead and building a future so that they can better themselves and their generations, their kids, their grandkids, will have better opportunities than they had. You know, that old American dream thing. I don't know of a single person in my circle of friends that I've known through decades, very extended. I don't know how you keep up with what that number might be, but I don't know a single person that today looking back, has ever just said, I don't care what happens down the road. I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants today. I'm just going to do what feels right, what I want to do, in total abandonment for what is best for me and those in my life. I don't know of a single, I'm, I'm sure I've had them come across my path, but I don't know who they are. So how can we as American people be going down a different path from those who came to us and asked for our vote, asked for our campaign contributions, and then when they are elected by us to go represent us in Washington, they thumbed their noses at everything they ran for and said they were going to do in regards to the rule of law, supporting the Constitution, protecting all of us, making legislative decisions based on what's best for us, not them. It's like they live in la-la land and we live in reality world and they're forcing the decisions that come out of their la-la land decisions, they're forcing them on us while keeping themselves insulated from having to deal with the decisions they make that are driving the rest of us crazy. There's something big in the wind, something really big in the wind. The American people, Donald Trump started the awakening thing when he and his campaign for president started talking about the swamp in D.C. and draining the swamp. He pulled the plug 
but the political elite kept running out and sticking the plug back in the hole to keep the swamp from draining. They kept pushing and pushing and finding ways to feed the swamp monster to make it not stay the same, but to make it grow in power and authority. He started the process. Joe Biden quickly put the plug back in. And now, I guess our only answer, folks, maybe Trump lost the election for a purpose. And don't say that you know absolutely positively for sure the purpose was the American people didn't want him in Washington. I don't believe that. More and more information comes out that proves there was rampant election irregularity. To what extent and what did it change specifically, we'll probably never know. But it was rampant. And we are today paying the price for that. Let me tell you what got sent to me from California over the weekend. Let me pull it up here. I don't remember the numbers, but it was a picture of gas pumps at one location in California. Let me see if I've got it there. I know I've got it on my phone. Let me grab my phone here. Don't call right now. (laughs) I'm going to pull up a picture. Let's see here. Photography, photos. Here it is. Gas pump. In California, this is Saturday. Price of gas, $7.59.9 a gallon. That's regular unleaded. Unleaded plus, 79 cents, 79.9, I'm sorry. Seven, boy, I can't even say these things. Gas is costing $7? No, it's not. Unleaded plus $7.99.9 per gallon or $8 a gallon. Premium unleaded, which I have to use in my Harley when I fill up. Fortunately, it's only got a four and a half gallon tank. $8.49.9 a gallon Saturday in California. Yeah. 11, 12, let's see. 11 months ago, we were energy independent and I was paying and I did pay $1.65 a gallon to fill up my car. I'm not paying $8.49, thankfully, but I am paying right at $3 a gallon, which is a buck 40 more. Is that inflation? Is that stagflation? Is that Bidenflation? I don't know what you call it, folks, but it's happening on this guy's watch his policies, his administration, his rules. Will the American people hold him accountable? Will they hold people in his administration accountable? What about those in the United States Congress? What are the American people going to say in November? If you think it's as bad as it can get now, you're poorly mistaken. You never thought it was going to get to this in your lifetime. I never did. We heard stories about it. We read George Orwell's 1984 when I was in high school. It was la-la. I mean, it was like, this is science fiction. This is not going to happen. 1984, well, George missed it a few years, but he didn't miss what it was going to be. All he missed was when it was going to happen. 
Let me give you some examples of our spear pointed toward totalitarianism. We always look to the East to learn things, to figure out what something's going to do, good or bad. It generally happens across the pond, and then it comes here. People in Austria, I've been to Austria. Did you know the Disney Castle? There is one that they patterned that from for both Disney World and Disneyland. One of those castles, you see it on everything, every advertisement for Disneyland or Disney World. There's one of those in Austria. I went and saw the original. I actually was there. I didn't know till I got there that there was the original Disney castle there. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But people in Austria who have chosen not to get a coronavirus vaccine, listen to what's happening to them today, Monday. They're being locked down at home and their being locked down at home or being able to roam free is dependent upon one thing, the number of severe COVID-19 hospitalizations in the nation. The chancellor, the Austrian chancellor, Alexander Schallenberg, announced on Friday, if the number of COVID patients in intensive care goes to 600 across the nation, people who didn't get a vaccine, will only be allowed to leave their homes for some specific reasons. 600 intensive care units represent one-third of the total the total capacity of intensive care in the nation of Austria. There were 220 COVID patients in ICUs Friday when he announced this. Think about that. If the number of cases in ICUs reaches 500, People who didn't get vaccinated or have acquired immunity through prior infection would not be allowed to enter businesses like restaurants and hotels. And his announcement came after he met with local leaders to address a rapid rise in cases last week. The virus, it seems to not be getting any better. Austria boasts one of the highest vax rates in the world, kind of like Israel. Israel's 90%, folks, and they've got more people in ICU percentage-wise than we've ever seen here. 90-plus percent of Israelis are vaccinated. Yet, people who are vaccinated, people who have natural immunity, are having a better go of it than people that got the vaccines. In the UK in September, 52% the whole United Kingdom, 62% of those who died COVID-19 positive cases were diagnosed. 62% of them were people who had been vaccinated. On Friday, there were 228 infections per 100,000 people in Austria, compared to 152 cases per 100,000 the previous Friday. It's been climbing steadily in Austria since early July. If they don't get their arms around it, folks, they're locked down. They're locked down. So I told you going into the show today, we had an audio sound bite. It's not a bite. It's actually six minutes plus that we pulled from a video. Thankfully, we were able to pull it before YouTube pulled it down. One America News Network, they found video of Dr. Fauci, two particular sound bites or segments. One is Dr. Fauci, who we've played this one 
here for you in 2017, shortly after the Trump administration began. Fauci on national television predicted that this president would face a very serious virus that would likely morph into a pandemic during his administration. Now, this president at the time was Donald Trump. So Fauci, when this all happened, he was pushed on Donald Trump. You got to put Fauci out front. He's the expert. He's a COVID god in the United States. Anything to do with immunity, autoimmune diseases, virology, it all needs to start and end with what Dr. Fauci says. So Trump put him out front for a time. And we, American people, we watched, we listened, we did what we were told, and we got sick, and we died. We got sicker, and we died. We got much sicker, and we died. And Fauci kept telling us other things to do, kept reversing his edicts to us, lying through his teeth over and over again. Nobody would call him out because we didn't have anywhere else to turn. Top American health officials who critics say misled Congress with claims regarding U.S.-funded virus research in China, those health officials now are pushing back. And why? Guess what? Documents were released that show the United States did pay for that gain-of-function research, which is contrary to the official's testimony. Gain-of-function research, if you don't know what it is, that's where they, they take a virus and they find ways in a laboratory to make the virus worse than it is in nature. Why would they do that? Because they say their purpose is to find ways to beat it when it gets more serious and gets into the population And to do that, they have to crank it up. That's basically what they say. I can tell you what the real reason is, and it's not that. That's hogwash. This group of sycophant doctors that are in this thing for one thing and one thing only, in the name of health care, in the name of helping Americans and every other citizen on the planet Earth to keep us from getting deathly sick from pathogens, and dying in massive numbers, which is what they're supposed to do, they want to find ways to use medicine to control us. Now, you can say, Dan, you're walking down a conspiracy road. You could say that if you want. But facts confirm that. The National Institutes of Health sent documents last week to lawmakers in Congress. Those documents show that the NIH-funded research that increased the function of coronavirus and MERS. Dr. Francis Collins, he was then the head of the NIH, and Dr. Anthony Fauci, who heads one of the institutes, a sub-institute of the NIH, told Congress earlier this year the agency did not fund gain-of-function research. In fact, Fauci on numerous occasions got into a spitting match, nationally televised in a Senate committee hearing with Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, who's a doctor, about funding gain of function. Critics say these new documents are absolute proof that Collins and Fauci misled Congress. In the letter, they acknowledge 
viruses did gain in function, they became more dangerous. So they've created a virus that doesn't exist in nature to become more dangerous. That is gain of function. That's Rand Paul. You take an unknown virus, you combine it with another virus, you get a super virus. You have no idea whether it gains functions or loses function. That's what the experiment is. But I don't know how anybody could argue that's not gain-of-function research. Senator Paul added that. Fauci, however, is insisting that his testimony to Congress was not undercut by the agency's disclosures. Here's what he said. Neither I nor Dr. Francis Collins, the director of the NIH, lied or misled about what we've done. He said that on ABC's This Week. A key issue in the arguments revolves around how the parties define gain of function, which is a type of research that generally means increasing a biological agent's transmissibility or its pathogenicity. Fauci said, using a narrower term established under a framework issued in late 2017 after the agency lifted a funding pause on most gain-of-function research. That term is called, quote, gain-of-function research of concern. And it includes a small subset of gain-of-function research projects that entail risks that are potentially significant enough to warrant more oversight. That's according to the NIH. Under those conditions, which we have explained very, very clearly, Fauci said, does not constitute research of gain of function of concern. There are people who interpret it that way, but when you look at the framework under which the guidance is, that is not the case. So Fauci used the broader term, the big one, gain of function of concern. He used that in testimony before that Senate panel back in May. The NIH categorically categorically has not funded gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He said gain-of-function research describes a type of research that modifies a biological agent so that it confers new or enhanced activity to that agent. That's on the NIH website until they removed it last week. The Wuhan labs that comprise the institute are located right near the first cases of COVID-19. Just happened, you know, nature. The newly disclosed documents from the EcoHealth Alliance, which funneled NIH grant money in the millions to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, they outline research conducted between June 1st of 2018 and May 31st of 2019. Collins, has announced he's leaving, has also pushed back against the critics, telling the Washington Post this research did not meet the definition of gain of function. You know where this is going, folks? It's just, he said, she said. The definition of the term it or the, it's on vernacular. It's not on substance, folks. You cannot credibly allege that we, on Fauci's watch, 
Francis Collins watch, you cannot say the United States did not give money to that lab to do something out of the ordinary that the end result was coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2 and coronavirus, and it came out of China, and we paid for it. Now, I told you I had an audio that came, I stripped it from a video last night that was on YouTube before they pulled it down. Thanks go out to One America News Network. They get blasted a lot because they're out on the edge all the time. They are never politically correct, and I'm so glad there's a mainstream media outlet that does just that. Facts are what they give in almost every case. And I've got that audio for you. If you haven't, if you haven't called somebody, as I ask you to do, and get them to tune in to listen to this, you're going to regret it after you listen to Fauci and company be exposed by their own words. Folks, this is the explicit preparation, the skeletal documentation of the creation of a pandemic and everything that needed to happen to make it go, make it be a pandemic. Every part of it was predicted. And now we have it for you. Newly uncovered video shows Anthony Fauci and other HHS officials discussing how a new virus from China could be used to enforce universal vaccination back in October of 2019. Here's one America's Pearson Sharp. As many of us have long suspected, this pandemic and all the resulting chaos was never about fighting a new virus and protecting public safety. This entire exercise has been a government-sanctioned effort to strip Americans of their rights and force us to follow their orders without question or else. You're not allowed to question or raise any objections or the full weight of the federal government will come down on you, no exceptions. We're supposedly in the midst of the worst pandemic in the history of the world where hospitals are overflowing with sick and dying patients. Yet at the same time, we can afford to fire hundreds of thousands of healthcare workers who refuse to take the experimental vaccine. Imagine that. And all to fight against the most dangerous virus humanity has ever faced, that you only have a 99.997% chance of surviving. It's so deadly when you're diagnosed, doctors just tell you to go home and take DayQuil until it goes away. Clearly, something's not adding up, and many now believe it's because this entire situation may have been contrived from the very start. Footage has just been uncovered from a panel at the Milken Institute where the high prophet of pharma, the good doctor and dog murderer, Anthony Fauci, was discussing viruses with other officials from the Department of Health and Inhuman Services. In the video, Fauci complains that releasing a vaccine the proper way takes way too long, at least 10 years, he says, and how unfortunate it is that people don't take the regular flu seriously. The other officials agree and suggest blowing the system up and finding a new way to impose a universal flu vaccine. They noted that people would be reluctant to take that kind of vaccine when it hasn't been tried or tested. That's when another doctor, Rick Bright, also a member of the Rockefeller Foundation, proposed that they should disrupt the bureaucratic process somehow and cut through all the red tape using what he called an entity of excitement. 
And then Bright tops it all by suggesting, you know, it's not too crazy to think there could be an outbreak of a novel avian flu virus from China, and they could then use that to make a global mRNA vaccine to be tested out on the public. And the best part of all, all of this happened in October of 2019. Watch it here for yourself. Why don't we blow the system up? I mean, obviously, we can't just turn off the spigot on the system we have and then say, hey, everyone in the world should get this new vaccine we haven't given to anyone yet. But there must be some way that we grow vaccines mostly in eggs the way we did in 1947. In order to make the transition from getting out of the tried and true egg growing, which we know gives us results that can be you know, beneficial. I mean, we've done well with that to something that has to be much better. Uh, you have to prove that this works. And then you've got to go through all of the clinical trials, phase ones, phase twos, phase three, and then show that this particular product is going to be good over a period of years. That alone, if it works perfectly, is going to take a decade. There might be a need or even an urgent call for uh, an entity right. of excitement out there that's completely disruptive, that's not beholden to bureaucratic strings and, and, and processes. So we really do have a problem of how the world perceives influenza, and it's going to be very difficult to change that unless you do it from within and say, I don't care what your perception is, we're going to address the problem in a disruptive way and in an iterative way, because you do need both. But it is not too crazy to think that an outbreak of an, a novel avian virus could occur in, in China somewhere. We could get the RNA sequence from that, beam it to a number of regional centers, if not local, if not even in your home at some point, and print those vaccines on a patch and self-administer. It's hard to misinterpret what's being said here. They're essentially outlining the pandemic. Everything we've seen from the last year and a half described right here in this video before it happened. And this isn't the first time Fauci has gone on the record to apparently broadcast his intentions about the pandemic. Back when President Trump first took office, Fauci came out with a suspiciously prescient prediction that a major viral pandemic will strike the United States during Trump's administration. The topic today is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. And now, here we are today living through the scenario that Fauci said was coming all the way back in 2017. The government has used this pandemic to enact sweeping totalitarian changes to our everyday lives, seizing control faster than anyone thought possible. And never, in the history of the world, has a government ever taken power and then given it back voluntarily? 
And while China gains strength, Taliban terrorists take over countries, our border collapses amid a flood of millions of third world illegal opportunists. Inflation skyrockets and the supply chain dries up. We're being threatened with even more restrictions of our rights if we don't comply with the tyrannical vaccine mandates. Unless we, the people, demand that our rights be preserved and our civil liberties be protected and our government be held responsible for its treachery, then this rogue administration will never stop encroaching on our freedoms. For One American News, I'm Pearson Sharp. That's not an interpretation. That's not a conspiracy theory that some news anchor concocted trying to get his name out there and get on the front page of every major newspaper in the world because he found something out. And then you listen to it and it's kind of like, ah, you know, you got to be really stretching way out there to come up with what you're alleging that meant. You heard it, folks, from those guys' mouths, from Dr. Anthony Fauci, starting back in 2017 and that that big meeting, there were five doctors sitting on a stage, that was all released initially on C-SPAN, and it was taken down. One America News got a hold of it yesterday, and it was taken down. But you don't have to interpret what you heard. What you heard is what you heard. And what you heard, folks, is there a group of men that we for generations have trusted with our health care, 100%. What our doctors told us almost in mass, we accepted it. We believed it. Instructions they gave us, we did it. Why? Because we've been conditioned through ages to trust the medical profession about medical things because they're very educated. And folks, every doctor today in the United States, even to become a doctor, it's at least a seven-year process. And then specialty after that, it's a great sacrifice, a great commitment of their lives, and they know a lot. I don't want to denigrate them. I have some very close friends that are doctors, very successful at what they do. 28 years, I owned a company in which what we did was facilitate doctors and hospitals to fight the wars with insurance companies to get them paid. I have allegiance to numerous doctors. This is not a slam against doctors. It's a slam against anybody. I don't care if you're a politician, a worker, a business owner. Maybe you manage a big company or a little company. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about members of the healthcare community that are political before they're healthcare experts. And they see a way to make themselves be more significant, more mandatory, more necessary to the lives of every human. How do they say? You heard them say it themselves. You heard it for yourself. How did they say? What did they say? Hey, let's take control of the American population by creating a fake environment using a virus that we have shortcutted the system 
Fauci even described it. The trials, the tests, the human trials, and that whole process of proving that it is what it is and it's effective and Americans need to receive it, that takes 10 years. we got to find a way to shortcut it. We've got to create the panic, the immediacy of give it to us and give it to us right now. What did Fauci do for months in the early part of last year? He was on your television from the White House every day. We've got to get vaccines. We've got to get the medicine out. We've got to find ways to survive until we get it done. Fauci and his cronies had every one of us foaming at the mouth. Oh my gosh, we've got to get the vaccine out so Americans can quit dying. And they got exactly what they wanted. Did you? Did you get exactly what you wanted? I've have good friends that have died at the hands of this whole COVID-19 pandemic, lockdown, egregious political politicization of a very significant medical issue. And folks, I don't care if it's the flu on steroids. I don't care if it's upper respiratory trauma. I don't care what it is. It's been used as a tool against the American people and people around the world. You know, now more than ever, I've suspected this for a long time, but I had no concrete proof. You know what I think now? What you heard those that panel, the people, the members on that panel, including Fauci, what you heard them say there, I think they got it done, but I think they let it get out of hand and probably because it was done in a laboratory in Wuhan, China, where it was beyond Fauci's direct control and his other brothers that were on that platform with him, that they lost control of it, and way more people have died and way more people have gotten it. Way more people have been attacked physically and mentally by what happened on their watch They're petrified. They're horrified now for being exposed. So let's do this. We're going to go to our first break. Let me tell you this. If you want this audio, it's an MP3 format, the same format as iTunes. Send me an email, dan at truthnewsnet.org, dan at truthnewsnet.org. And we'll... um, We'll email it to you as an attachment. You can just click on the attachment if you've got iPhones or if you even have uh, uh, a Google-based phone. You'll be able to click on that and play it. You'll be able to share it because it's coming as an attachment to an email. You need to pass it out to everybody you know and have them pass it out to everybody they know. This is the real deal, folks. It's got to be stopped. It's got to be stopped. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural. Juicy, grass-fed beef. 
Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at We Are Golden. Look out, world. We got it from here. 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 10 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 10 10 10 10 Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember 10 10 10. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10 bucks a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. So how is this project of Fauci and company, how has it impact the world? We'll probably never know the facts um, because they're not going to give us the facts. But uh, what has been hidden from most people, we've uh, uncovered it and reported it here for you every week. The adverse effects of these COVID-19 vaccinations, what has happened to the American people. Directly from the CDC website, it's called VAERS, V-A-E-R-S. There is a, a section on the website. If you know how to navigate through the CDC website, you can find it. It's really hard to put all the numbers together, and they purposely make it that way because they don't want Americans to know the facts of this. And it's very easy to understand why. Because people are dying. People are dying in the thousands, tens of thousands, from adverse reactions to these COVID-19 vaccinations. Chiefly, to be honest with you, it's the Pfizer BioNTech. That's the vaccination that the FDA reportedly approved, fully approved several weeks ago. That's what the news said. But if you read the FDA directive, they did not approve the BioNTech Pfizer product. It's not fully approved. In fact, in the directive where the FDA announced it, they said, we're approving the Pfizer vaccine, fully approving the comartity. You hadn't even heard of that unless you've been here at TNN Live. Comartity. You can't even buy it. Your doctor can't even get it. It's not on the market to be distributed yet. So why would the FDA fully approve that? I don't know why, but I can tell you what the effect of what they did is they wanted everybody to go get vaccinated. 
the Biden administration wants everybody to go get vaccinated. And they made every they gave people the comfort level that the Pfizer vaccine is now fully approved. You gotta get it. What happened? These big companies picked up on that. Now they're forcing their employees and they're dangling termination as the justification to force their employees to be vaccinated. And millions of Americans have followed that edict, which is based on lies, and gone and do it. Guess what? The BioNTech, in that same directed, a little disclaimer down at the bottom of it, the FDA said, the BioNTech vaccine is still in emergency use authorization only status. Now, what does that mean? It's not fully approved. Why isn't it fully approved? I think what you're about to hear may have something to do with that. But let me tell you why they did it this way. Pfizer pressured the FDA to come out to get more people vaccinated and to use their name and say, Pfizer, the first one, Pfizer's vaccination is fully approved by the FDA. The FDA says it's still an emergency use authorization. So why would they do that? Two members of the FDA board are former Pfizer executives. I'm just pointing that out. I'm not alleging anything. But because BioNTech, the Pfizer vaccine that is most widely used, in fact, so far, that's the only Pfizer COVID vaccine that is being distributed and jabbed into people's arms, its status of being an EUA emergency use authorization only is this. None of the adverse reactions, the people that have those, not a single one of them, can the patient or their families go back against Pfizer in any type of litigation. The federal government has indemnified legally, by law, any medicine the government entity, the FDA, gives emergency use authorization use only. That's You know, you got to get it out quickly while we're figuring it out and going through further testing and trials. We think it's going to be okay, so go ahead and give it to people because they're going to die if they don't start getting these kind of vaccines. Anybody that wants to sue for that? The federal government is who they sue. Do you have any idea what it takes to sue the federal government? So what does Pfizer do? Yeah, yeah, we've got the we got the American people tricked. The FDA tricked them and said the BioNTech is going to be okay. Well, they didn't say that, but they said the Pfizer vaccine has been fully approved. Meanwhile, as of the 15th of October, Friday a week ago, the VAERS report that the CDC publishes every Friday came out over the weekend. We got it. It's always a week delay because they put all the stats from the previous week together and shoved those out. By the way, the numbers I'm about to give you, the CDC themselves estimates they are as much as 1% of the actual numbers in each of these categories. Could be 90 times more in these particular categories. Now, they estimate they probably know what the real numbers are, but these are the ones they say are actually reported. We'll look at deaths first. Since January 1st of this year, 
adverse reactions, those who took these vaccines, all three of them, J&J, Moderna, Pfizer rolled in. Pfizer, by the way, is the one that has had the most deaths, the most hospitalizations, the more doctor's office visits, the more Bell's palsy, more miscarriages, heart attacks, myocarditis, and permanently disabled than the others combined. Just say it. So the reported number of deaths from January 1 through October 15th reported 17,128. Hospitalizations, 83,412. Urgent care treatment, 92,017. Doctor's office visits, 127,641. Anaphylaxis shock cases, 7,532. Bell's palsy, 10,179, 2,631 miscarriages, 8,408 heart attacks, myocarditis and pericarditis, 10,304, permanently disabled Americans, 26,199. So maybe it's only, it's not 99 times more than these numbers. Maybe it's only 10 times more. 10 times more. That would mean, folks, 171,000 people have died. Not from COVID-19, from the reaction to these vaccines. Now, put it in historical context, the VAERS process, that project, the CDC started it in 1992. So every year since 1992, these numbers have been posted every weekly, every week. So in the reports of death, they actually started this in 1990. I was wrong. Every year they keep the, uh, let me read you the stats year by year going forward. I'm looking at the report right now. In 1990, there were 80 deaths that were a direct result of adverse reactions just to vaccines. All the vaccines that were being given at that time, 80. 91, 166 1992, 228. 93, 234. 94, 237. 95, 158. 96, 151. 97, 173. 98, 172. 99, 179. 2000, 212. 01, 225. 02, 187, 03, 265, 04, 208, 2005, 215, in 2006, 220, 262, in 2007, in 2008, 333, 2009, 337, 2019, excuse me, 2010, I'm sorry, in 2010, 319. In 2011, 331. 2012, the number was 316. 2013, 339. 2014, 358. 2015, 377. 2016, 437. 2017, 467. 2018, 535. 2019, 605. In 2020, listen to this, 2020, from January 1 last year to December 31st, 
419. Vaccines weren't out. COVID vaccines weren't out. How many so far this year? We just gave you the number. 17,128. What's the difference? (laughs) What's changed? Folks, it's right in our faces. They're not even trying to hide it. They kind of pushed that to the back of the website. And they even made an announcement. They used to, at the very beginning of this, when people started dying from adverse reactions to the vaccines, they would do those stats on a weekly basis in their COVID debt charts. You, anybody could click on there and bam, there it is. Just pull it down. Ooh, there are the numbers. They did that for about four weeks. And then when the numbers started to climb, guess what they did? They actually said, and we read what they said, the CDC said, before they dropped this report from their total COVID reporting numbers. And they said, those really weren't important. We needed to concentrate on the fatalities, the overall fatalities. Case numbers and fatalities, that's all you need to know. So how is America responding? I'm looking now. I told you if you wanted a copy of that audio bite, send me an email. I've had 617 emails since we did that. So if you want it, dan at truthnewsnet.org. Say um, the audio. That's all you have to say, and we'll return it to you as an attachment in an email. Arizona's attorney general, he filed a request this morning for a temporary restraining order to halt Biden and his administration from implementing a vaccine requirement while a lawsuit filed in September moves ahead. It's Attorney General Mark Brinovich is a Republican. He said once a vaccine has been administered, it can never be undone. The COVID-19 vaccine mandate is one of the greatest infringements on individual liberty, federalism, and the separation of powers by any administration in our history, he said. Arizona sued last month after Biden announced he was going to require federal workers and private sector workers in companies with over 100 employees be vaccinated or take a COVID test every week. The measure was expected to impact more than 100 million Americans. I think it's really important in times of crisis that we protect the Constitution and be even more vigilant when it comes to protecting our rights, the Attorney General said. He went on to say, the bottom line is this, whether you want to get the vaccine, it should be your choice. Nobody else's. It should be yours. The federal government should never tell anyone what they have to put into their bodies. We want to make sure that no president, now or in the future, ever has that unfettered discretion to tell you what to do. This just, this is just uncanny. Uh, I just find it difficult to believe that there are Americans that are just going to sit by and let this happen without doing anything or saying anything about it. So the CDC, the new director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, she was on Fox News Sunday yesterday with Chris Wallace. And this new doctor, this new expert, said that the Biden administration has a plan for the education and the counseling of essential workers 
essential workers, who would that be? Everybody in healthcare, first responders. You, you make a 911 call, you have a medical emergency, the first people to get there are first responders. These are people that buy percentages. All the I'm talking about doctors on down in healthcare, firemen, fire department individuals, police department. These are the people in America as a percentage that are pushing back against vaccine mandates at a greater percentage than any other part of our of our nation. Why is that? Why would they feel so strongly about it? These are the people that see these people that are making these 911 calls and they're going and picking them up and they are in horrible conditions. I mean, we've heard about and seen everything you can imagine happening to somebody. Do you remember? I guess this was about uh, 45 days ago. I can't remember the exact name or the place where this happened. But they had a nurse on a national broadcast that had just, this was one of the first days when they started doing the vaccinations in mass. Standing before a crowd talking about, yeah, I just got the vaccination a little bit ago. I'm doing fine. On camera, she passed out. And she got back up. They helped her get back up. And she said, I'm just woozy. I'm just woozy. What they don't tell you is later that day she died. And they hid it for months. It was revealed over the weekend that she died. Why would they hide all this stuff? Those are the questions that need to be asked. So here's Dr. Walensky. Hey, we got a plan. We're going to indoctrinate everybody that's refusing a vaccination. We're going to educate them. Chris Wallace said, well, let's talk about mandates for adults. President Biden was asked about the controversial mandates for essential workers at his town hall this week. Take a look at his answer. And in that video, we played it here, CNN's Anderson Cooper asked, should police officers, emergency responders be mandated to get vaccines? And if not, should they stay at home or that go? President Biden replied, yes and yes. In other words, he said, we want them to be vaccinated, but they get fired. They leave. Wallace continued, are you still full speed ahead on mandates for essential workers to get vaxxed? Well, Walensky said to Chris, we have seen that these mandates are getting more and more people vaccinated. Here's what we know, she said. The most disruptive thing you can do to our workforce is to have a COVID outbreak in that workforce. That was definitively Definitely not only sending people home, but sending people to the hospital. Some may pass or die. What we know from the cops, the workforce is there have been more deaths from the coronavirus over last year and a half than all other causes of death for that workforce combined. So we believe it is very important to get these people vaccinated. There's a plan, should these people not want to be vaccinated, towards education and counseling to get people the information they need so that they're feeling comfortable in getting vaccinated. They call those concentration camps. We have a lot of experience, and our partners across the pond have a lot of experience historically in that. In other words, forget about individuality. Forget about the right to ask questions. You know, that First Amendment thing. Forget about all that. We're going to educate you if you resist a vaccination. Now, let me just, I'm not going to stay on this topic much longer. I think you get the point. 
I think every one of you are smart enough, you're cognitive enough, and you're concerned enough to get the answers for yourself. We had a guy on our show on Friday, I don't know if you were with us, Christopher Key. He has a website called Vaccine Police. He told his story. I'd seen him on television, national television. He uh, appeared all the time about six or seven years ago. NFL stars, people that we knew, were on with him talking about the natural products that he was at that time selling. He got crossways with the bureaucracy of the NFL. And um, Roger Goodell, the commissioner then, still is the commissioner, reached out to him, and he shut him down. He said, the NFL's not going to cooperate with you anymore. In fact, the commissioner forbade any NFL player or coach from having anything to do publicly with Christopher Key or his company or his products. Didn't stop there. They destroyed him financially. Never charged him with a crime. They seized his bank accounts. (laughs) He was just operating a business, and... For them to basically leave him alone, he had to agree through a gag order. This is almost exactly like happened to Dr. Judy Mikovits that we had on our show last May. She had just come out of the time of her gag order. Same thing happened. She got crosswise with uh, Dr. Fauci. They stormed her house in the middle of the night, uh, destroyed her house, took her into custody, and these were not SWAT but they were dressed like SWAT people, feds, unmarked, unmarked vehicles, took her to some place, put her in jail, kept her in jail for 11 days, didn't ever charge her, didn't ever come interrogate her, didn't allow her to even speak to anybody, even an attorney. Same kind of thing happened to Christopher Key. And about a year ago, he said, I can't do this anymore. I can't sit quietly while I'm watching what's happening happen. And so he's gone public. He was with us Friday. It was a very interesting show. Uh, he was on for more than an hour. You can get that that show in its entirety. You can go to the story that was published Friday down at the bottom. We have a link there that you can click on the link and download it or listen to it yourself. Also, If you have iTunes, iTunes, uh, Apple podcast, you do a search for TNN live there and that show and every show we do pops up also Spotify podcast, same thing there. If you've got an account at Spotify and iTunes, you can get either, either one, all of them free. And of course you can get every one of them by going to the story on the day that we do these shows, the specific shows. And, uh, we put it there for you to do absolutely free. Christopher Key, that this is something really big, and it's getting bigger and bigger. And Canada, listen to what's happening now. Canada's government announced Thursday it's going to ban anybody without a vaccine passport. Anybody from boarding all planes, all trains, and ships in Canada for foreign or domestic travel starting the last day of October. Everybody 12 years old and older has got to present proof they have been fully vaccinated against the virus in order to board domestic or international flights departing from airports in Canada. The vaccine passport system applies to air passengers flying on domestic, trans-border or international flights departing from airports inside of Canada, 
rail passengers on VIA rail and Rocky Mountaineer trains, and marine passengers on non-essential passenger vessels, including cruise ships on voyages of 24 hours or more. Canada's government's refusing to allow travelers the option to present a negative virus test result taken within hours of his or her departure as an alternative to their mandatory vaccine requirement. Travelers may present a negative test result in lieu of a vaccine certificate through November 29th. After that date, though, test results will no longer be accepted. (laughs) Can you believe this? Can you believe in our lifetime we're being treated this way by our government? Our government is weaponizing a manipulated virus that was planned out in advance by medical experts that this government shoved out in front of us and said, you got to listen to everything they say. And they've taken every cue of what to do, the government has, from these medical experts, the so-called ones that colluded to weaponize a virus against the American people. I'm done with that COVID. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. Big news coming out of Virginia in that gubernatorial race there. My gosh, it's gotten hot. And it's exposed a whole lot of other things right after this at TNN Live. Look, we know that boy's going to ask again, so let's be ready. Fine, I'll be him. You ready? Ready. Mom, could you hook me up with a GoPhone? You'll run up the bill, son. Yo, that's whack, moms. GoPhone is totally different. What? It'll only cost me an arm? Chillax. It has unlimited talk and text. Seriously? Word. Okay, we'll get a GoPhone. Really? Uh, really? That is the bomb. Do you even know what the bomb means? Yes. No. Hey! GoPhone, only from AT&T. With unlimited talk to 65 million wireless AT&T customers and now unlimited text to anyone on any network. AT&T, your world delivered. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar. Or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for the $3.99 6-inch sub of the day. How do you want it? Secret DJ set. At a retirement home? Weird. I like it. DJ sandwich in the house. What did he say? Italian BMT $3.99. I called the EMT? Turkey breast $3.99. How much? $3.99. $3.99. Bingo! Time of participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. You get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmer's Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. Conservative thought, not just talk. At TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. 
anytime you'd like to join this conversation, feel free to do so. We'll pay for your phone call. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. Love to chat with you. Meanwhile, um, digging down into the weeds, Loudoun County, Virginia, on the same day of that attack in that bathroom at that uh, high school in Loudoun County, the same day the attack happened, folks, came out over the weekend. The school board there, on the same day, was alerted to an alleged sexual assault inside that high school bathroom. You got that now. The Loudoun County School Board knew about it. This is the same school board that that meeting, it went viral two weeks ago when they just went crazy and denied they even knew anything about it. The superintendent, Scott Ziegler, did. That superintendent, Scott Ziegler, forwarded the information to the school board the same day that female student at Stonebridge High School reported being assaulted by a male student. And the male student was wearing a dress and had self-identified as a woman. As the Daily Wire reported, local news outlet WTOP reviewed a copy of an email from Scott Ziegler, the school district's superintendent, dated May 28th at 4.09. Here's what it said. Good afternoon, board members. The purpose of this email is to provide you with information regarding an incident that occurred at Stonebridge High School. This afternoon, a female student alleged that a male student sexually assaulted her in the restroom. The sheriff's office is investigating the matter. Secondary to the assault investigation, the female student's parent responded to the school and caused a disruption by using threatening and profane language that was overheard by staff and students. Additional law enforcement units responded to the school to assist with the parent. In addition, the school's counseling team is providing services for students who witnessed the parent's behavior. The alleged victim is being tended to by the sheriff's office. However, at a June 22nd school board meeting, Ziegler said, quote, To my knowledge, we do not have any records of assaults occurring in our restrooms. Earlier this month, we reported here, the suspect has been transferred to another school. And when he slash she self-identified as a woman, he allegedly, he, she, I can't get it straight. What do you call somebody that identifies as a sex they're not? How about he, she, okay? At the new school, he assaulted another girl, this time not in a restroom, in a classroom. Superintendent Ziegler, he did apologize for what he admitted was a misleading remark. <laughs> if you call, we, we, we read you the email verbatim that he sent. If you call that misleading, you're smoking something pretty, pretty strong. He lied. He claimed that he misunderstood the question and assumed it was about bathroom assaults involving transgender students. Because the assailant in May was reportedly wearing a skirt, and because Bart's board member follow-up question had made it clear at the time that the question was not limited to transgender incidents, that apology simply sparked 
further questions. I regret that my comments, Ziegler said, were misleading and I apologize to the distress that error caused families. Following that that story from October 11th, two weeks ago today, board members, including Bart's and Vice Chair Atusa Reeser, issued statements claiming the members of the Loudoun County School Board were not aware of the specific details of the incident until earlier this week. However, the email demonstrates that Ziegler's claim that there had been no record of sexual assaults in bathrooms was untrue. So after that second assault, this one at Broad Run High School by the same male student, Ziegler admitted that the school system failed to keep students safe. Folks, the bottom of this, the only thing that really matters here, this guy raped that girl. Raped that girl in a bathroom. And he got in the bathroom pretending so he would be accepted legally because of Virginia's rules about school public school restrooms. Public school restrooms in Virginia are open to whoever identifies, self-identifies as whatever sex they want to. Can you imagine how that man felt, the man that was arrested? He goes to a school board meeting because nothing has happened. The kid that raped his girl hasn't been prosecuted, and the school has totally denied. The school board has totally denied that it even happened. I'm reminded of that father in Texas. I think this incident happened in 2020, and I don't remember what city it was in. He heard a noise in the middle of the night. He went to his teenage daughter's bedroom, and a man was raping his teenage daughter. They didn't know who the guy was. He broke into the house in the middle of the night. He's raping this man's teenage daughter. What would you, as a father, what would you have done? Well, this man grabbed the guy and beat him. And he beat him to death. The the father was immediately arrested and charged with homicide, thrown in prison over the weekend, not prison, but jail over the weekend. And he had a court bond hearing on Monday. He goes in for the bond hearing. The judge at that point listened to the um, prosecutor and he denied to give the guy bail. Said, hold him for trial. Hold him over for trial. So the guy goes to jail. Folks, his daughter was being raped in the middle of the night. He happened to walk in and see it happening. The guy had gagged his daughter. She was trying to make noise and call for help. She couldn't. If that was your daughter, what would you do? I've got two daughters. I don't know if I could have even physically. I don't know anything about the circumstances. But I can tell you this. I would not, if that happened to one of my two babies, and I walked in and saw it happening, when they were teenagers, even now, they're in their 40s, early 40s. I'd do the same thing today. And this guy's thrown in the slammer by this activist judge? Well, it just so happened a couple of weeks later, a new judge took the case. And so the guy's attorney 
filed a motion for a hearing on bail. The next day, they go into court. The new judge comes in. The uh, clerk starts the proceeding, you know, all rise. The judge comes in and sits down. The judge reached over and grabbed his gavel before anybody could say anything. He looked at the man. Bam, with his gavel. He said, case dismissed. Let this man go. Charges dropped. I have lots of empathy for that father in Loudoun County, Virginia, that his little girl was raped in the girls' bathroom in high school by a boy who this school, this public school system, the Virginia public school system, the Virginia legislature has passed a law putting that boy and any other boy in a girl's locker room because they self-identify as a girl, or they say they do. I gotta rem- I remember when I was a teenager, folks, teenage boys, there's a lot of things that go through their minds that are not even close to reality. Hormones are going absolutely nuts in their minds and their bodies. Teenage boys will do anything. Many of them will. (laughs) This case illustrates that to get close to a girl. This is insane. Guess who weighed in on this over the weekend? This is going to nauseate you. Parents in Virginia, parents around the country, me, we're furious over that report out of Loudoun County. And then when that that case began to roll out, parents went even more crazy, crazier, when the school system tried to cover it up. The 14-year-old was arrested in July, folks. I didn't even tell you this. He was charged with two counts of forcible sodomy. Over the weekend, former President Barack Obama was on the stump for gubernatorial, Virginia gubernatorial candidate Terry McAuliffe. Here's what Obama called it. He called this case, and both of them, because it turned into two. The, the guy got kicked out of school. He went to another school. He did the same thing there. Obama called the controversies fake outrage and, quote, trumped up culture wars. Although he didn't specifically refer to either of those two forced sodomy cases. We don't have time to be wasted on these phony trumped up culture wars, this fake outrage, the right wing media's pedals to juice their ratings, Obama said. Obama argued that the Republican candidate, Yunkin, is campaigning on the outrage rather than talking about serious problems that actually affect serious people. That's a shame, Obama said. That's not what this election is about. That's not what you need, Virginia. That's the former eight-year president of the United States. It, by the way, has two young daughters. How would he have responded in the middle of the night if he had walked in on his daughter. How would he have responded if at the school either of his two teenage girls attended during the middle of the day? One or both of them were sodomized in the bathroom by a boy 
telling everybody he identified as a girl so he could wear a dress. Do you think Obama would be saying the same thing here? Obama just threw mud on the rights of a straight teenage girl. Not one, all of them in the United States. I don't know any other way you can you can couch that. So what else has been happening around the world over the weekend? Um, what about the president's approval ratings tanking? I mean, we started the show. I, I, I told you about $8.50 for a gallon of gas this past weekend in California for premium. Think about that. $8.50. You, you drive a Suburban, it's got a 25, 25 gallon tank. You do the math. Eight times 25, that's $200 to fill up a tank of gas. The Biden administration, Jen Psaki, others in the White House, when they do these press briefings every day, they just ignore. They're asked serious questions about inflation. They just ignore it. Mark Penn. He is a, uh, a pollster. You've seen him on a lot of shows, on a lot of different uh, talk show networks, news networks, talking about polls and how things come together. And so I don't know what network he was on over the weekend, but he, he, he weighed in on his thoughts about what's happening to Biden's approval ratings as they are just tanked. What's happened to President Biden is really uh, quite... Uh, surprising, uh, fast. I mean, I've never seen this kind of uh, descent in the polls really as quickly in the last two to three months in which President Biden was as high as 62 percent. And now in in our polls, the Harris polls, he's at 41, 42 percent. I think that's what you said Rasmussen was at, Quinnipiac was 38, a couple of others were 40. But in any event, once you're below 50, uh, once you're close to 40, 40 is the Democratic base. So it's very hard for a Democratic president to get below that. Uh, and and this is a really created an incredible, I think, you know, crisis within the Biden administration. Now it's going to get worse because uh, the supply chain problems are going to lead to shortages around Christmas buying season. That's going to hurt the economy. And then everybody's paying more to heat their homes and fill their cars and to put food on the table. So I'm going to predict that Biden's going to be around 36 percent by the first of the year. Is that realistic? Um, I don't know if it's going to get worse. I think that that the more it seeps in or solidifies, the harder it then becomes for the for the president to bounce back because when you look at the number of issues you know you look at these approval ratings and oftentimes they're a combination of do you like the person and do you like the person's policies you know obama they liked obama but not his policies or when i worked with bill clinton at that point actually they liked a lot of the bill clinton's policies in the second term not as much bill clinton here they Previously, Biden had been kind of well-liked, and people thought they liked his policies. Now, even his personal favorable is below 50. 
So he's not kind of the single liked person anymore. And also his job rating on some of these issues, the borders in, the, in some of these polls in the 20s, crime, terrorism because of the resurgence of the Taliban in, in, in Afghanistan is quite negative. Uh, the virus has gone from approval in the 70s to below 50. Uh, and then the economy also has, has gone negative as fear of inflation now has gone from maybe, well, non-existent to almost 80% saying that they're really afraid about the possible impact of inflation on them. What's been amazing to me, incidentally, that was with Bill O'Reilly, Mark Penn there. You heard Bill ask him a question in the middle of this. But uh, in the middle of all of this, everybody in the Biden administration is just playing stupid, playing dumb. Jen Psaki, who surprisingly yesterday on Fox News, Chris Wallace, he actually made the statement that, in his opinion, Jen Psaki is one of, if not the best White House press secretary he's ever seen. I got to be honest with you. I almost dropped my false teeth, and I don't have false teeth. I didn't see it live, but I saw uh, I saw that interview later in the day last night. I couldn't believe Chris Wallet would say it, although he's turned very, very sharply to the left over the last eight years. No question about it. Nevertheless. There is very little substance in the Biden administration that anybody can tout as positive, if any. I mean, to be honest with you, the American people had pretty good support of uh, the president on his actions regarding the coronavirus and the way when he took his oath of office and he began to, of course, he was the benefit of three viruses of vaccines being produced when Biden took over. They already had a distribution program in place. Of course, the Biden administration said they didn't. We published it here in September of uh, 2019. No, of 2020. The distribution system that was already put in place, all of the stuff was already done. All the Biden administration needed to do was just put the vaccines in the hands of the military who had been already structured and set up and the plans location by location, everyone around the nation had been set. There for a while, he got a lot of stroke, Biden did, for being part of and implementing and pushing forward with that process. Of course, he never gave President Trump any credit for anything. That was the pattern that was used throughout the entire eight years of the Obama-Biden administration. Anything that good that happened during that eight years, they took personal credit for. Anything bad that happened, they blamed it on Bush 43. Biden's doing the same thing now. It's all Donald Trump's fault. But folks, this inflation thing, it's real. I mean, we just mentioned a moment ago, $8.50 gas. That's inflation. Forget about the what percentage is that. It's $8.49 a gallon in California over the weekend. That's all you got to say. Yeah, gas is always higher in California than other places. They're in New York. I don't know what they were paying the day that Joe Biden was elected or the day he was inaugurated on January 20th of this year. I don't know what it was. I'm sure it was more than it here it is here in Louisiana. The day Joe Biden was elected, I filled up my car for $1.65 a gallon. 
And six months later, you know, I was paying two sixty-five a gallon. Same place. Same gas. Same car. Well, Janet Yellen is our um, new Secretary of the Treasury, and she was asked about this inflation thing, higher prices and all that. And uh, you've heard Biden and you've heard Jen Psaki on this show. We played back segments of her White House briefings. You'll hear one in just a few minutes. Uh, But they've been saying, hey, this is just a transitional thing. Inflation is just a transitional thing. Hey, we've, we've put up, 600,000 new jobs every month in this administration. More jobs, more new jobs. They're calling on new jobs than before any American president has been able to do. 600,000 new jobs. Those None of those were new jobs. None of them. Of course, they want to take credit for it being new. That means they created them. They didn't. This was people going back to work. They had been terminated. They had quit their jobs, whatever you want to call it. When they lost their unemployment benefits, when those things ran out, they are legally unemployed. So if they go back to work, it's a new job, but it really wasn't. They take credit for everything they possibly can, and they are ignoring inflation to this day. Everybody except Janet Yellen. She's acknowledging it, but listen to what she says. The content of it is and what we can expect about inflation. And of course, Americans haven't seen um, inflation like we've experienced recently in a long time. Yeah, because this rising inflation is hitting Americans while it's hard, impacting everything from gas prices to groceries. When do you expect the inflation to get back to the, you know, 2% range, which is considered normal? 2022, 2023, when? Well, I expect that to happen next year. Um, monthly rates of inflation have already fallen substantially from the very high rates that we saw in the spring and early summer. Um, on a 12-month basis, the inflation rate um, will remain high uh, into next year because of what's already happened. But uh, I expect improvement uh by the end of by the middle to end of next year second second half of next year second half of 2022 second half of next year and she didn't say it was going to come down she predicted improvement now what would be improvement well instead of 849 a gallon in California you're only going to pay 825 <laughs> that is an improvement right that is an improvement One thing I forgot to mention, when we were talking about that Loudoun County and uh, that mess that was there, and then the subsequent things, you remember last week when the Attorney General Merrick Garland appeared before a House committee, he was asked, I can't tell you how many really difficult, hardcore questions about that entire process, because what he did, when that thing happened in Loudoun County and that dad went up there and he got no kind of pushback no kind of information when he asked questions in that school board meeting of the school board, nobody was up there would even acknowledge that there was a report that his girl had, even if they said just allegedly been raped, been sodomized in the school bathroom, none of them would even admit it actually happened. He went bonkers. So the Biden administration, the Biden white house reached out to members of the DOJ 
Attorney General Merrick Garland in that hearing, he denied that anybody spoke directly to him, and he was asked about, well, did anybody in the DOJ hear from them? And he, uh, as they so politically correctly do, he said every day people in the DOJ integrate and talk all the time with people in the White House. I don't know of any specific conversations. And the reason he was being asked that was because he put out that uh, press release informing everybody that he had put the FBI on notice that they were supposed to be partnering with and educating local law enforcement agencies around the country what to do and how to handle these kind of domestic terrorists. Now, he did not use the term in that press release, domestic terrorist. He didn't do that. He didn't label it. But what he did was walk, he didn't cross the line and say it, he walked right up to the line. And we read you the actual press release last week when it came out, or the week before, when it came out. Um, And what he was saying basically was, we're not going to let, the Department of Justice is not going to let parents continue to go to these school board meetings at public schools and say things that could be considered as attacks or threats on these school board members, their family members, or administrators at school. Well, when that happened, I mean, everybody went crazy. Everybody went nuts. So it came out last week that there was one of the big, the big three school board unions had reached out not only to the White House about putting this out, but had reached out to the Department of Justice suggesting that the DOJ put these people on notice around the nation that they were about to be considered as domestic terrorists. That's what the school board letter said. And so Merrick Garland spent most of his appearance denying all of these kind of things and Of course, his denials were, they fell on deaf ears because Republicans in these committee hearings, they were not going to hear it. They were not going to accept it. They pushed back. Mike Johnson, congressman from my district, you hear him here regularly on TNN Live. Um, He asked the most salient question and did not let Merrick Garland not answer. He refused to let him get away with it. And... um, some interesting news came out yesterday about this union. It's a national education group. Uh, they're the ones that wrote that memo that implied some parental activism is equal to or almost exactly the same thing as domestic terrorism. And it just so happens, it was discovered over the weekend, that labor union owes the IRS $20 bucks. Most of that comes from accrued pension liability. That was disclosed by the National School Board Association's 2017 and 18 Form 990 filings. Unlike those two, the 2019 form, the most recently one they filed, does not include an itemized list under the federal income taxes subheading for other liabilities. That group's liabilities have exceeded its assets by around 2 to 1 in recent years and up to 7 to 1 in the first half of the 2010s. 
One news agency looked deeply but couldn't find any IRS action seeking recovery of that $20 million. The only federal legal action against the National School Board Association in its own jurisdiction was an employee lawsuit alleging racial discrimination, which a judge tossed about a year ago. The union's director of communications, Jason Amos, noted it's a tax-exempt nonprofit but didn't respond when told the liabilities are listed on its own federal tax forms. The problems get worse with the revolt the NSBA is facing from at least 21 state members after it asked President Biden to use the Patriot Act. In response to the growing number of threats of violence and acts of intimidation against school board members, and they cited both physical altercations and heated rhetoric at these public meetings. Its board of directors issued a memo to members on Friday saying, we regret and apologize for the letter. There was no justification for some of the language. The voices of parents should and must continue to be heard when it comes to decisions about their children's education, health, and safety. The school board said it failed to properly consult members, which caused them strain and stress, and they promised to launch a formal review and announce specific improvements soon on consultation and coordination. So this is all happening in Virginia. There is a big-time, very contentious, very important race for governorship underway there. And the Republican gubernatorial candidate, a guy named Glenn Youngkin, in the follow-up to the school board stuff that happened in Loudoun County, he came out over the weekend and demanded the resignations of County Superintendent Scott Ziegler and the school board in its entirety in the wake of what came out last week. That email that came out showed that Ziegler alerted the board that a male student assaulted a female student in a girl's bathroom about a month before Ziegler publicly declared he had no record of bathroom assaults. So on Saturday, Yunkin said it's outrageous. He said the email simply confirms what we know, which is we had administrators at a school board who have been covering this up. I mean, they try to hide it from parents. They've hidden it from the public. They actually endangered students by moving this man who in fact was being prosecuted already for a sexual assault in another school and enabled it to happen again by keeping it quiet. Nobody knew the better. Prosecutors confirmed that this kid accused of sexual assault on two separate situations in schools, the first in May was in that restroom. This dad made a scene about it, this uh, school board meeting, which brought this all to national attention. The second one happened in October at a different school. In the same race now, Terry McAuliffe, you remember the name, Terry McAuliffe was deep, deep, deep in the middle of the Clinton administrations where he first came to national light. He was a Clinton campaign chairman, has been in Virginia for a long, long time, became governor there. I think he served two terms. Well, over the weekend on Saturday, Terry, the candidate for governor, was on MSNBC's Politics Nation. And you know who that is. The host of the show is 
that amazing man in politics, full of integrity and honesty, Al Sharpton. So Saturday, McAuliffe stated that the Republicans used MS-13 as an attack line in the 2017 race, which they lost. They lost the governorship then. And also critical race theory in schools is now the Republicans' new MS-13. McAuliffe also accused Glenn Youngkin, his opponent, of getting parents fired up about issues that don't exist. So Sharpton, Sharpton the Sharpie, never misses a chance to zing somebody. He said, he questioned, asking this, conservative Republicans, specifically those who identify as part of former President Trump's base, have been using overblown fears of critical race theory being taught in schools as a way to energize voter turnout and be a rallying cry to flip blue states red. Republican Glenn Youngkin, your opponent, Sharpton said, has been using this tactic to strike fear into parents in your state when it's not true that it's being done. Seizing on this concern with what has been dubbed as parent rallies, framing his campaign as a way to champion the rights of parents to have a say in the schools to educate their kids, but it has nothing to do with that. I mean, what do you make of this, Governor McAuliffe? And McAuliffe, he took the bait. He responded, yeah, so first of all, parents are very involved. I'm a parent of five children. Dorothy and I, we are very involved. You have school boards and you elect school boards. And they make the decisions on curriculum and things like that. The goal is, no matter the color of one's skin or who they pray to, everybody deserves a world-class education. But he, and he's talking about Yunkin, but he, and you're right, and I'd like to know who all these funding groups are, Reverend, who is putting the money behind this. This is, we dealt with MS-13, former candidate when we ran for governor in 2017. They used MS-13. This is now the new MS-13. It didn't work before. It's not going to work now, but it just really bothers me because it's literally a racist dog whistle. And you've got parents. He's got them fired up about issues that don't exist. Folks, we have played the audio sound bites of moms and dads at these Virginia school board meetings reading from actual textbooks that their kids, many of them in elementary grades, are being taught. And it has everything to do about whiteness and how evil white people are. They are born with an automatic sense of racism and hatred for anybody with a different skin color. It's critical race theory. Emma McAuliffe, and of course, he's got his feeder there, the guy who is supposed to be a host, supposed to be an objective journalist, which Al Sharpton is anything but that. McAuliffe just took the bait and said, none of it's true, none of it's true, none of it's true, and every bit of it is true. Every bit of it, folks. Every bit of it is true. Wow. This day is flying by. (laughs) We got to get one more break in, and we're just getting started. Stay right here. I know I should quit smoking. 
but it's just... <sighs> My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. <coughs> I cough all the time. Seriously? <sighs> I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. No doubt you've heard about this subliminal seduction nonsense. You know, commercials that are supposed to have hidden messages in them. Well, Baron. Baron Saloon denies any use of this so-called mind control. Baron. After all, Barron's is seductive enough as it is. Get in your car and come right now. What with a 16-page dinner menu crammed with delectable items... You're starting to salivate. 30 dinner items under $5... Keep out and say big bug. And a happy hour that lasts from 4 till 8 p.m. Obviously, Barron's has that rare combination of good food. Take out your wallet. Good fun. Give us your money. And good prices. Give us your cash. So let's put this subliminal seduction nonsense to rest. Nobody can do your thinking for you. Come to Barron's. You either want to come to Barron's. You do, you do. Or you don't. But boy, oh boy, you do, you do. Barron's. Airport and South Academy. When Bolshevik Barbie throws shade, you have the weapon of light. The truth. DNN. The Truth News Network. I can't get away. We gotta we gotta we gotta let Jen Psaki do her thing here. I mean, you're okay with that, aren't you? I mean, um as Chris Wallace said yesterday on his uh, morning show on Fox News. He considers her to be one of, if not the best, White House press secretary he's ever known. And I almost choked when I heard him say that. Friday, she got into it in a White House press briefing with uh, Fox News' Peter Ducey. When Ducey asked the question, which is more important to Biden, his vaccine, his vaccine mandates or fixing the supply chain, that keeps getting worse. Listen to Ducey and Saki. The leader of the union representing FedEx, UPS, and DHL is saying that supply chain problems are going to get worse with labor shortages right before the holidays unless the president postpones the requirement to get vaccinated by December 8th. So what is more important to this president, the vaccine mandates or fixing the supply chain as fast as possible? Well. First, I would say that that is not actually what we've seen at companies that have implemented these vaccine requirements that are not even part of federal law yet. Let me just let me just finish. I'm going to let you talk. Don't worry about it. I'm going to let you talk. Okay. So American and Southwest CEOs have made clear this will their their uh, work workers will not be there. Uh, there won't be a labor shortage. Uh, we've seen United Airlines implement this, and as we've also said, as we work to implement these federal employee requirements, the first step is not firings. It's actually 
actually education and counseling. So we don't actually anticipate these disruptions. What we've seen for companies who have implemented these requirements is it increased from 20 to 90%. Last thing, and then I'll let you ask your follow-up, is that the other piece of this is that COVID is an enormous labor disruptor, not only because it's the number one cause of death in some industries and some uh, professions, including police forces across the country, but because people are out sick, people are worried about coming to work. This is one of the reasons that a lot of these companies have implemented these requirements. Just so that I understand the position then, this union leader says that the looming December 8th mandate for having fully vaccinated workforces creates a significant supply chain problem. You say no, it does not. Is that right? We, uh, what I would point to, Peter, is the uh, evidence we've seen from companies, uh, large companies, private sector companies that have implemented these requirements across the board. I won't comment on that soundbite that you heard from uh, Jen Psaki. I am, what I'm going to do is I'm going to quote what James Posey sent me via text while she was saying that. Here's how James talked about Saki. She is so full of, and he put X, 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 exclamation point, exclamation. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better. Way to go. Thank you so much for being here today, folks. I can't tell you how much we love having you here. Again, if you'd like that audio bite, send me an email, the one where we got the revelation from Fauci and company about what this whole COVID-19 thing has been around and been about since 2017. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Send me an email. We'll send you the soundbite, audio bite in MP3 format. Until tomorrow, you have a great Monday. So long, everybody. See you then. I stay out too late. Got nothing in my brain. That's what people say. Mm-mm. That's what people say. Mm-mm. I go on too many dates. But I can't make them stay. At least that's what people say. Mm-mm. That's what people say. Mm-mm. But
Shake, shake. 